0: Welcome to
1: Catholic in America. Today's topic is demons, devils, and ghosts.
0: And we'll be talking about different people's experience of the supernatural, of devils, of exorcisms, people's fascination uh, with ghost tours, and what our faith
2: has to say about it. So if you want to find out how to become possessed or how not, stay tuned.
0: All right. So welcome back to Catholic in America. Um, I'm Father Michael Nixon, joined as always by Father Tom Dillon and Father Doug Martin. And we're talking today about demons, devils and ghosts. And I think it's safe to say if you've uh, checked uh, the movie listings any time recently or any time over the past 30 years, there is a fascination with this um, that lots of people are talking about it or making movies about it or asking questions about it. Um, so yeah, so what, what are some of the, the ways that people approach that in, in our modern context of this, this these supernatural realities?
2: I think that for a lot of people obviously, and this is always throughout cultures and civilizations, people have always wondered, are we alone? And so like in this question, this, this fundamental question, we've looked off into the stars for centuries and we've always wondered, are we the only people who are here? As well as like then you come up with everyone has their own theory, everyone has also their own experiences, things that happen in life which are spooky, that are unexplainable. Which you can't really. I mean, you're looking at like things fall off. Things fall off. And, like, well, was it something? Was it something spiritual? Was it just a falling off? Uh, when you have, so you have like all these weird events that people have, and they're looking for meaning and explanations for what's happening. And so, ghosts and demons becomes one way in which people try to explain the seemingly supernatural. Yeah, I, I think sometimes people stumble onto it
1: through the entertainment industry, through you know, through games like Ouija boards, through movies, and through um, like. Like especially around the time of year for Halloween, you have all these scary movies come out, and you have haunted houses and um, you know for people to go through, and then you have these haunted ghost tours that happens too. They're all over the place.
2: Then you also have worlds i mean c- world cultures. so you if you're raised in a Christian environment, like you might not be exposed to magic and the philosophies which are associated with magic, but then you meet uh, your friend from the Far East, someone who has more of a Hindu background or someone who has more of a Buddhist background or someone who has more of a Jainist. Or you meet people from Africa who are coming and they practice various different types of forms of shamanism or witchcraft. So it also comes to like exposure of what different cultures you're exposed to as well as the philosophies that people have around the world which try to explain the supernatural or the paranormal
0: events. Well, I think too, just look, looking at the culture, I wasn't alive when The Exorcist came out, the movie. But from what I understand, that was a cultural phenomenon where like, like basically people were fascinated by this. They were terrified by it because it's a very scary movie. And they were asking those sorts of questions. They were calling Catholic churches. Were getting called all the time about. I think I'm possessed. Um, so just thinking about that, that and that continues to be. it Seems like every year there's several movies that come out about you know the Conjuring or the Possessed or the the in right. Real horror, um, horror, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah movie, just everything. just all these different things that are happening. And and to me, there's there's a a deep fascination with that with the supernatural. And 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 I think too, in a sense, kind of maybe. A desire that there be something more, you know, the desire that there's there's more than what we just see in this world. We live in such a technological world, so I wonder too how much that that as technolo- as much as we have explained so much, there's so much that's unexplained, and that people maybe seek to do that through these supernatural um,
1: connections or, or insights. Well, and some of it seems to come in through just the idea of evil itself—that the world isn't what it should be, and that to, I mean to explain that. And, You know, sometimes these things are used, especially evil is used, to explain why things are bad, why particular things happen. Like you said, something falls off a shelf. Or even worse, something happens to you. You know, how do you explain this? It's, you know, maybe a demon on your back or whatever it may be.
2: Sure. People are trying to explain and try to find meaning in the midst of death. I mean, what happens when a person dies? Also, like, people who are trying to find meaning in the midst of trauma, because with especially with like, witchcraft and various different types of witchcraft, a lot of people are seeking power. And as the old adage goes, knowledge is power. And so people trying to find knowledge of either trying to understand like, their own wounds, their own traumas, trying to find ways in which they can cope, and therefore mm. they seek power, information, knowledge from all these different world philosophies or world views, or people who are trying to find uh, answers to who am I? Like that, that great anthropo- anthropological question, like who am I? What am I? And so, obviously, from a Christian perspective, we have the answers to that, but some people are not satisfied with the Christian answer, and so they start gravitating towards alternative philosophies, alternative theories, which is like, especially when you look at certain uh, occult activities, such as horoscopes, or trying to d- divine the, know star- the future. Yeah, divinization, trying to divine the stars, trying to understand. But like, if you look at the background of like horoscopes, what is horoscopes? Horoscopes is like, the, I mean, we all like Leo, Scorpio, but... In this, there's like personality traits. Like if I'm a Leo, this tells me something about who I am because I was born on this. But Hmm. the appeal of that is that it helps people to understand that fundamental question of who am I? Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I like because sometimes I understand exactly why I do things, but sometimes I don't know why I do things.
0: It is interesting how common that is still, you know, that I guess I've never looked at it before, but that's something that horoscopes are still in the newspaper, sure, I guess. Are. And and I've actually had people who know I'm a priest, which is yeah. very interesting to me. They ask me, you know, they tell me what their sign is and like, and, and what, what are you? And I'm kind of like, I don't, like, right. I have never thought of it at, at any point, right. particularly in my adult life. So it, it, to me, it's interesting too. I think as well, and, and we were talking earlier about this, the uh, the proliferation of, of palm readers, uh, of, of of fortune tellers, you know, people that have businesses where they do this. Uh, Madame Cleo was big yeah. years ago on television. I, somehow she turned out to be a fraud. Um, yeah. But you know, <laughs> of, uh, it's amazing, right? Uh, but also too, even just a fascination with witchcraft as like a practice, you know, Wiccan as kind of a, a sort of a nature religion and and sort of attached to paganism and casting spells. So just, just the proliferation of this, I think, shows that, that this, um, as technologically advanced as we are, that this, this reality is not going away.
2: And I think that, I mean, for a big thing, obviously, would be is that it helps people to, to explain the unexplainable. Hmm. And therefore, hmm. in that, there's also the way in which if I can explain the unexplainable, then I have a certain amount of stability and predictability. And so there's a certain level of power. Like, there's a certain level of power. Now, even if you look at, like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like psychology. Like, having power is in and of itself not bad, but the question becomes how do you acquire power and how do you find power? Because oftentimes people looking for power are looking for answers to life, they're looking for stability in their own personal lives. And so, in that, like, it's the pursuit of power, though, that goes oftentimes into people who seek out. And fall into various different types of occult activities or witchcraft activities. You
1: no, know, and it's used again I mean, to to tell the future. I mean that's what like horoscopes and those kind of things can be used for is to I wanna know what's coming. I wanna know what my future is, I wanna know what the end is for me. And so again, you know, for, for us as Christians, we kinda of have an answer to that.
0: So this to me we're going to talk a little bit more about specifically the devil, you know, the yeah. <laughs> devil and, and, and demons and ghosts and kind of this reality, the Christian response, but also getting a little bit more into why people seek this out. So as we continue to kind of get to the why behind the, the fascination, I've been fascinated and uh, just in some articles we've been reading about sort of the rebranding of Satanism, that, you know, Satan as, as this fallen angel, this personal force and reality is the source of evil in this world and, and the, the Judeo-Christian sense of it. Kind of being rebranded, or following Satan, as something trendy, as as somebody who, uh, who's who's maybe worldly or or seeking some sort of these areas of power and control. So, what's behind that desire to rebrand Satanism um, to make it more palatable for uh, for us as a society?
1: Well, let's face it, it's cool to be a rebel. I mean, you know, it's cool to be the one that goes against the power, the the authority, the power structure, to revolt against what what seems to be right, but. But maybe people aren't experiencing it that way. So yeah, the, this idea that you know the rebellion's a cool thing, and that Satan's fighting the you know fighting the man, if you will, fighting you know mm-hmm. going against uh, the things that that are really the what
2: seems to be the
1: status quo.
2: Well, and it's also a rejection of the established order. So especially like within the satanic and the satanic church and all the different ones who, and most people who actually are satanists don't actually worship. Satan himself, because they actually, a lot of Satanists are atheists. They don't right. actually believe Satan is an actual being. It's more of an ideology, it's more of a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Is this idea of a total rejection of the established order because the established order is wrong because it is oppressive? And so anything which oppresses individual expression, anything which oppresses individual freedoms, especially this notion of freedom, like this notion of freedom is. Complete self-expression. Anything which do whatever I want. Is well, right. Right. I want, yeah. and anything yeah. which tells me that I can't do what I want or tries to put boundaries upon me is a force of oppression. So, actually, from this perspective, Satan is a freedom fighter. Mm. He is the ultimate freedom fighter who fights for the freedoms of the individuals against anyone who tells me no. It is an
0: interesting too that this this kind of spirit of rebellion within this as well. And coming out of a place of trauma, coming out of a place of hurt, and so many people are walking around are wounded, have been hurt by relationships, have been hurt by people in the church, by parents, by religious people in their lives. So how do I, how do I escape that? How do I develop some sort of power or control or my own kind of autonomy? In a sense, kind of this, this pull towards this fascination with, with, with darkness, with rebellion, with, you know, with even Satanism, kind of becomes, is, is marketed towards that. And I think, I think really uh, a lot of people fall into it.
1: Sure, and, and I mean, you, you've seen this coming for years though with, with movies, how, I mean, in a lot of these movies, the, the guy who's rebelling, the people who are rebelling are always almost portrayed as the good guys. And the ones who are in power and authority or, or in the moral high ground, whatever it may be, are always seen as the bad guys. And so to me, the culture has framed this in that way, when in actuality that that really may not be the way it is, because uh, you know, not to get into the next section, but it, it, as Christians, we wind up being the ones who are countercultural, mm. not the other way around. But it's phrased that way,
0: and I think too maybe uh, just looking at the culture too, and we can get into the Catholic understanding of these, the the way that Satan has been has been popularized. You know, yeah. the, the 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 red the you know the the red pointy tail and the pitchfork. And kind of, you know, two equal things. I remember as a kid, Looney Tune cartoons. Of, right. You know, the, the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel, which was the person, the character, you know, who right. was goofy, but right, as a little right. d- devil or, or, or yeah. angel. I don't know why. Yeah. But, you know, so in a sense, kind of, we, we've sort of, we've trivialized it. And then, and then. And then Cartoonish. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it is cartoonish. Maybe that's how most people kind of experience this, too, is like either this is not important at all, or then, when they develop a fascination for it, becomes the most important thing.
2: Well, I also think that recognizing the shift in the culture um, against objective truth and against reality as being defined not by um, some objective order, some metaphysical, which metaphysics is the study of the invisible and the visible realms, and, but as opposed to like as we've had this shift, where now metaphysics, which is the study of reality to more of an epistemological shift in philosophy where now it becomes about what I know. And so, like even in terms of like the relativism which we see as a constant concept throughout our society where I get to determine for myself what is good, beautiful, and true. My truth. I, my truth, I determine for myself reality, I define reality, and therefore anyone who tries to tell me that what I know is wrong, like that is that is them being oppressive. And so like there is this, philosophical underpinning in the relativism, which has come out of the Enlightenment, or at least is the, is the seed of the Enlightenment, that we find that people who are rejecting and are holding on to this relativistic view of society are also saying that all things which are part of the established order are means of oppression of telling me that I'm wrong. Hmm. There is also, even as technological as we
0: are, even as scientifically grounded as most people think they are. I think most people are less than they think they actually are. Probably. Um, you, know, <laughs> that we, you know, that we live in a, in a technological age that doesn't mean that we're all scientists um, or even scientists are living as scientists in every moment. Um, but, but just this, that there's still this desire for something transcendent, something mysterious. I think sometimes when you get into people talking about, uh, you know, aliens or Bigfoot or, or these other things, sightings and, and uh, seances that people participate in, even they can be grounded rational people and go towards that because the, there still is something within us that desires the, the, the transcendent in some way and, and, and you know, that doesn't want to go towards Christianity, doesn't want to go, to, go towards prayer, but still wants some sort of you know, shade of mystery.
2: Sure, but I, but I think that it's also kind of in this movement as we find both Satanism but also witchcraft because mm-hmm. that, it's slightly different. When you're looking at shamanistic practices and witchcraft practices, People do have this desire for mysticism, and I think that there's, a, a, there's been a growth in, and likewise an expansion of witchcraft in general throughout our nation, throughout Western society, because people do have a desire for the metaphysical, for the mystical, for the supernatural, because they're becoming, um, a lot of people are becoming dissatisfied with that science can answer all the questions in life. And so they're gravitating towards these alternative theories, which are very old, like the New Age, there's nothing new about the New Age mm-hmm. movement. The New Age is something which is very old, which is rooted in paganism and alternative theories. Yeah, and let's face it. I mean, they they have they actually have a good
1: point. If, if they're expecting science to answer all the questions for them, they do have a good point. There is a vacuum that's there. And, of course, the the occult, the, the spiritual things that we're talking about are what's filling that vacuum because, you're right, it's given an alternative meaning, an alternative... Um, Truth claim, if you will.
2: Well, I mean, even, and it also like help. It does make people feel better about themselves. Like for instance, if I'm, if I am a whatever it is. I think it's Gemini. I think that's technically my sign because I was born at the end of May. For years I thought I was. A, Congratulations. For man, years God. I thought I was a Taurus. God. Yeah, for years I thought I was a Taurus, yeah, years, was a Taurus. and apparently I found Woo-hoo. out that I'm a Gemini, which. If I understand correctly it means I'm two-faced yeah.
1: <laughs> and you got a twin right yeah, yeah the, the twin Gemini. the two-faced person that. yeah, but that, yeah, yeah.
2: That, that's the reason why I'm deceptive right like the reason why I'm deceptive is because I was born in the month of Gemini and so like it makes me feel I can't I to a certain extent if I were to if I were to embrace this I could say well the reason why I'm deceiving you is because I'm actually a Gemini I can't help it right interesting I can't so well, I have an excuse yeah like I have an excuse and so like it gives people ways of rationalizing as well as Hmm. mitigating uh, their own responsibility. guilt or culpability. Not, I mean, yeah, I mean, not in people, all cases. But, but so many
0: people feel guilty. So many people feel, absolutely. feel like failures. Right. And then all of a sudden to have some sort of explanation of it that alleviates it in some way. Right. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I, I never knew. Now I know why you lie to me so Yeah, much. I know. So that's why I lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but take, for instance, like, uh, like some, of the, some of the African witchcraft, which is starting, we're starting to see pop up. Like, you have this notion of people who are not necessarily looking for, like, answers to who am I, but then, like, you have this notion of people who are seeing the inequalities in society, and so they want to call upon, what, the collective anger of their ancestors. Hmm. And so this notion of ancestral curses, like, I'm going to fight the man, I'm going to fight them also with all of the people who have been oppressed. This is, like, one form of, like, of witchcraft, which has popped up recently, which is called ISFA witchcraft. It's from East Africa. So I'm going to call upon all of the ancestors, I'm going to call upon all their energy to try to place hexes or curses on these particular institutions who are oppressing my people, who have been oppressing my people. So there's a sense of also, often, sometimes in some of these movements and some of the witchcraft and shamanistic practices is this sense of justice, hmm. this fight for justice, this fight against inequalities, and using varying different philosophies or methodologies to try to, to achieve... a a possibly better world you, from their perspective. Yeah.
1: we only yeah. mentioned voodoo, <laughs> I mean, voodoo, you know, in, yeah. in, in Haitian culture, then also you see it really in, in Louisiana and in southern Louisiana. You see this mixture between it and uh, particular faiths. And so, yeah, I mean, voodoo plays into this as well. And, and it's kind of a, an old friend here. It's yeah. yeah. so,
0: something that comes up because I think pointing to that, what everyone has, has brought up is there's, there, there are good and felt needs, this desire for justice, as you said, for control, for healing, for finding meaning for ourselves and for the world around us, being able to impact society in a positive way. I think the rise also, too, in, in the need for exorcisms. So exorcisms yeah. are our real thing. We probably do a whole show just on exorcisms. But that's where a lot of times we get called, where someone's like, I need an exorcism. We have an exorcist for our diocese, someone that's... So just. Uh, there's the fascination with that. We mentioned the movies, but also in the real world as priests, Something that's come to that people don't have control over. Maybe that's where we can start to get into what's the Catholic understanding and response of these is as much as people try to have control through these various mechanisms, what they yeah. end up with is not control, right.
2: but being controlled by something. And, ens- and enslavement.
0: Yeah, being controlled and enslaved. So let's talk a little bit about what is the Catholic understanding before we get into how we, how we approach each of these, the Catholic understanding of, of, of demons and of, of devils. And, and so to begin to see that, so then we can say, how, how, do, how do we respond to this?
2: Well, when, when students of the high school ask me, they're like, um, and this guy actually goes into the question of uh, aliens. They're like, Father Tom, do you believe in aliens? I'm just like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, what <laughs> they're, is They're that? like, do you, believe other, do you believe in other intelligent life in the universe? I'm like, yes. And They're like, so you believe in aliens? I was like... I believe in other intelligent life in the universe. (laughs) Uh. And then you walk out of the room real cryptically. I'm like, like, yes, (laughs) I'm like, material life? I was like, I don't know if there's other intelligent material life in the universe, but from our Judeo-Christian tradition and also in the scriptures, we know that there is other intelligent life in the universe. We are not the only intelligent life that exists apart from God because the whole notion of that we do believe, and angels and demons, angels and demons who are the holy spirits of God. Some of them have rebelled against God, mm-hmm. and some of them are still in allegiance with God. Actually, there's more of them in allegiance—two thirds, according to Revelation—who have yeah. lied themselves with God and are obedient, versus the one third of their fallen who have rebelled. But like when you then you get into like angels, like angels and demons, and what are angels? Like they're the holy spirits of God. So, but they're also super smart, right? Like they are—they're the, the divine intelligences. Um, in the book of the Kings, it's that which comes and grabs Elijah and brings him up in what looks like the fiery chariots, which is the, the third choir of angels according to tradition, the thrones, which bring him up, the Merkabah, who bring him back up into the heavens. And so like the divine intelligences, we do believe that these are the friends of God, that we are not the only intelligent hmm. life. Which actually goes to like kind of the question also of aliens. Like people are like, are there aliens? Like, well, there's, we do know that there's other intelligent life. Right. Whether and there's some, little green men. But like aliens, some of them have our best interests at heart, and some of them would like to destroy us.
0: Well, one of the things that I, I tell people a lot in, in the spiritual life and trying to follow, follow Jesus and trying to live a good life, a holy life, turn from sin, is this recognition that when we have an enemy, or we have many enemies, if we're counting the demons as enemies of us, we're made in God's image and likeness. And so that these, these, these fallen angels, created by God, created good and beautiful by, by God, who is goodness and beauty, um, and they've rebelled against that. So uh, they've, they've, they've twisted in on themselves. They've, they've de- demonized this, this goodness that they received. that they attack us who are made in God's image and likeness. So that you have an enemy, and he, this enemy doesn't eat and doesn't sleep, and has been doing this for a very long time, that has an angelic intelligence And so I've brought this up a lot with people because of their fascination with the occult, with fortune tellers, with new age practices, that the devil or the devils, the demons, they're perfectly fine with feeding you information, with giving you insights. And I've seen this with people. I go to my fortune teller and then I get this stuff. Man, it's amazing to give you those insights, not because the fortune teller is powerful or has some sort of gifting or whatever, but because you have an enemy who loves to feed you this stuff in order to ensnare you. And that, that's usually what it leads to And not, when we get called a lot of times because they're, they're trapped in something that's, that's becoming
2: really a, a literal hell on earth. Yeah, I mean, when you look at even the power of like, just look at the power of information. So like the power of the modern day propaganda machines. So regardless of, I'm not saying anything about media or particular media, but I'm just saying like we know how powerful information and how powerful knowledge when it's conveyed. Actually, the understanding of an angel is an angel is a messenger of God who comes and brings a message to us and therefore the power i mean think of the, the power which is contained within what we used to call instant messaging if you remember back in the day mm-hmm. N- then we had texting now we have social media now we have twitter instagram snapchat tiktok all these different forms of several we don't know about yet but like we have the power of message so like messaging communication is powerful beyond measure hmm. and so like when you're dealing with angels. And that's why people are like, well, they're helpful. They're like, this, this one is helpful. I'm just like, yeah, but you don't know how you're being manipulated at the same time. And that's where like, the church tells us not to get involved in the preternatural and the occult activities the same way that actually God told the old people of the Old Testament in the book of Kings, I mean, and book of Samuel and before that, he said, don't get rid. He told Saul, get rid of all fortune tellers soothsayers, mediums, anyone who practices witchcraft or shamanism, the connotation, not because they're all charlatans, but because the possibility lies is that it actually might work, but when it works, you don't know how you're getting played. You don't know how you're being manipulated. You don't know what you're saying yes to. When you're getting this over here, you don't understand how this is going to bear fruit in the future, which is going back to the original Adam and Eve story. Adam and Eve slightly understood what they were doing but well, they didn't know how it was going to spin out of control as they were with the ancient serpent, mm. the demon in the garden. Well, I think lots of people
1: think, at least from in the Judeo-Christian tradition, I mean, you know, people that are like, has a misconception of it sometimes. I think they think that, that what Satanism is, is this idea that Satan wants us to worship him rather than God. And, and that's not exactly what it is. I mean, of course, he would, he would enjoy that. But for, for Satan, it's good enough for you to be apathetic it's good enough for you not to, to care or not to care specifically about your spiritual life in a good way. And so to occupy you or to distract you in these sorts of ways, doesn't. it's not necessarily to, to, you know, possess you and demonize you, although that may be part of it as well, but that's not necessarily what it's about. What it's mainly about is, is to get you to take your focus and your eyes off of God
2: himself. Well, because the notion being is that if he there's only God, right? If he can get you to worship yourself, Correct. By de facto, you are worshiping Satan. Correct. Yeah, like yeah. it's not—it's not that he—he he wants you to have a little devil exactly. <laughs> in your room, down. or something. Yeah, yeah no, it's—it's yeah. it's that it's the Correct. glorification of self. If you can buy into the demonic philosophy, you can buy into the demonic ideology, which is to worship yourself above all things. That this is the very heart self-centeredness, the self-centered gospel. Is the heart of what Satan? Because if he can turn yeah. you against God, there's no alternative. Because then you don't have
0: yourself either. And I think that that's right. always the trick here. Is if, if I put myself first, then I'll be glorified. But it's you end up empty and you're you're, you're divorced from, from from God as well. Exactly. So I want to give a couple of examples here uh, that pe- that people have brought up before, and just kind of how how we would respond to them as Catholics. What is a Catholic response to this? So first one, someone's going to go on a a, a ghost haunted tour of their hometown, whatever their hometown might be. They're gonna to go to several places where murders took place, where they think there's ghosts that are there. They go, maybe they try to, on the tour, they talk to the ghosts or they leave out, you know, some snicker bars for them, whatever it might be. <laughs> and wow. obviously there's some money, you know, so recognizing, you know, uh, it's, it's in, in good fun it's we know it's not real it's kind of just spooky and we do this around Halloween or, or you know you know some, something like that so what, what would your response would you say that sounds fine you should do that or you should never do that and the fact that you asked me about it means you're going to hell I mean what, what, what would your response be to that
2: I will hear you what you say I'd oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say no so a strong no a strong no all, and for two reasons for one okay uh let's go back to like I, I love hurting things in scripture so the one case where you actually have a person who is dead, who comes back, it doesn't end well for the person who contacts him. And that's actually going back to Saul. Yeah. Saul contacts, goes to a medium, and contacts Samuel. And when Samuel shows up, Samuel's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. predicts yeah. Saul's doom, basically also right. telling him, like, you're not supposed to be doing this. Which goes to the point of, like, it can work, but you don't want it to work because God has told us not to, and therefore the person who does this oftentimes ends up getting cursed or ends up getting some type of bad negative thing that they didn't realize was happening. Also, yeah. it's like, like if you're going to go if you're going to these places where hauntings, one, you're either getting getting played by a charlatan. But let's say let's that's say definitely yeah, happening. Yeah, 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 yeah There's no doubt about that. So yeah. you're getting played yeah. by a charlatan. But even if there is something which is happening, so one if and that's where we look in like the difference between what's called. Again, if, are these disturbances because there's actually a restless soul? Okay, which actually, if you're dealing with, and we've done a previous episode on on the state of purgatory, you're dealing with a person who's in the state of purgation, but you are now, you're not actually helping them. Right. You're actually now. This is just becomes a a thing which is a fun thing to do, where actually you're not helping this person. You're actually actually almost increasing the suffering, because mm. you're not helping them at all. And so this is not actually helpful. If, it's, if it actually is a restless dead, you're no, doing nothing to help them. So there's a selfishness entailed within that, which I'd say is a danger. Two, if, if there actually is a demonic, if there is an evil spirit present there, uh, you want nothing to do with that. Right.
1: So yeah, if you have an infestation,
2: yeah. if you have an infestation of a place, which is where a demon uh, inhabits a local place or a local object or things like that, which you do see sometimes in the movies, you don't want anything to do with that, because you don't want to be connected to that demon whatsoever who's trying to take power and control over those who are manip- trying to manipulate it. If yeah, you think yeah. you can manipulate a demon, you're wrong. Yeah, the you're demon's wrong. going to manipulate you. Always. And,
0: and, and I think too, just recognizing that it doesn't intention doesn't matter to the, to, to, to the demons, and right. this is, I, I think just because they've got their own intentions, so I can be like, I was playing with it, but I, I wasn't like trying to be serious about it. Well in and, uh, and,
2: and the scriptures, they are the lawyers of God. Actually, even what Satan means, like Satan is basically is the, uh, I believe, Arabic word for dirty lawyer. So he's a lawyer who, he's the prosecuting attorney who actually entraps you. The accuser. He's the The accuser who who entraps you and then throws you before the judge. Right. And they understand justice. They understand justice far better than we do. They understand the nuances of justice, which is why they will there be there to accuse you of the ways in which you have been unjust and have made, as kind of colloquially, contracts with the devil
0: Okay, I, I I got another one. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna throw this over to you, Father Doug. So I hope you're ready. So, sure. so someone someone has lost a loved one and they've died, and they have a friend who just got certified to uh, to, to to lead seances, and it's real. They pray beforehand. They could say that some Yeah, they even sure bring scripture into it. Yep. Um, They're and Catholic. So, they call themselves and, Catholic. Uh, I just want I just want to know my my loved one's okay. Um, and and I w- we had an opening reading and it went really well. So we're gonna have another reading this upcoming Saturday. What what would your response? W- f- would you go to it first of all? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and second of all, what would you tell that person?
1: Yeah, no, would not go to it, would not want anything to do with it. And the secondly, what I would tell that person is, is that, yeah, you're, you're flirting with danger here. I mean, you, not just are you flirting with danger, you're, you're leading yourself and your soul into possible jeopardy just by going and being a part of this. And, and thirdly, where's your trusting God in this? Hmm. Where, where's your trust in, in who God is and what He's promised to you, specifically about your relative? Because we know from Scripture that the promises that, that God makes to us are given to us and you know, are given to us as His people. And so you know, if, if you're going to something like that, you're looking for information first that's not yours to have. Not everything this information is for us to know and to have. And I think there, there's part of our culture that thinks that we have some sort of right. To every single thing that is knowledge out there, and we really don't. And like, I mean, frankly, I don't have the right your opinion of me. I mean, necessarily, it's gracious if you give it to me, but I don't necessarily have it. Yeah, (laughs) I appreciate that. So, but but what they're looking for is knowledge that's not theirs to have. And secondly, they're going about it in in an evil way, in a wrong way. And so, I would beg of them not to go to that, just simply because uh, it's wrong, Mm -hmm. and it puts their own jeopardy, their soul in jeopardy. And then. Anyone else who went to there, it puts their soul in jeopardy and possibly even your loved one that you're trying to contact.
0: So I think, I think about it because I've had every, every time someone comes yeah. in with a disturbance, like a, a, a supernatural mm-hmm. disturbance in their home, in their life, um, being, feeling afflicted by the enemy, by unseen, and you know, in, that they're not experiencing like a mental breakdown at that, that, that point. I would say without fail, it's happened many times in my priesthood, it's, they, did, they, they saw a fortune teller. They yeah. um, got a palm reading from a friend. They, they, someone, they got some crystals when they're on a trip to New Orleans or something right. like that. They got a voodoo statue. There's usually something that they were... And it, it reminds oh, yeah. me, my, my dad always uses this image and I, I love it. The devil's a dog on a chain. You know, that like... And if you're baptized, if you're in Christ, the devil can bark, he can, he can growl, but he can't get you. But if you walk up to the dog on the chain, he can do a lot of damage to you. Right. So, in a sense, you're opening up a window to something that you have no control over. No fortune teller has has control over. Right. This. I had a guy that came to me, and he was he was really struggling. He had been involved in some new age practices, crystals, palm readings, different stuff, frequencies, frequencies, auras, wow. all yeah. sorts of things. And he and he was he was basically having like a, a breakdown. And a friend of his who was an expert was a higher level than him. Was gonna charge him. It was something like a thousand dollars or two thousand It was several. Some of them are like five, was, ten thousand. Yeah, it was. It was. Wow. This, he was getting a deal. Yeah. But it, it was. It was. It might have been five thousand dollars <laughs> in order to get the special reading or special process spell to get this taken away. I was like, bro, I'll do. I'll settle for half that in cash. Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but,
1: but, but really, to just yeah.
0: first of all, i never yeah. do that again. And 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 the one thing that can save us from this is Jesus. And I, I yeah. love that. And that's kind of you know when we look at the going back to the Bible, the ministry of Jesus is setting people free from the tyranny, the slavery of the dominion yeah. of the devil. Well, and, that, and that's well, what I,
2: Jesus does. And not only that, but actually for anyone who's watching, a real exorcist, and this is part of the real rites of exorcism. Uh, a real exorcism is free. Yes, correct. And it is given to you freely. If because it's it charging is, you for an exorcism, it is meant it's to not be, real. It yes. is meant to give you freedom back, and you cannot pay to get freedom. Yes. Freedom is a gift. So anyone right. who charges is automatically bogus. Right.
0: Because that does happen, particularly online now. People search, yep. say, I'm demon-possessed, and search exorcism, and... I'm sure there's people out there like, we'll do it over the screen. And
2: that yeah. is not. No, no, no. There's yeah. no, there's no yeah. price tag for freedom. Because as soon as you put a price tag on freedom, you've automatically taken an infinite gift. And like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But it's also where you're going to find charlatanism. And a lot of people using the traumas and using mm. people's pain and using people's suffering to try to uh, basically feed off of them. Which right. is also itself is something horribly wrong. Sure, right.
0: So, for for us as priests, and I would say for anyone that's watching this, maybe people who who have participated in occult practices, maybe had a, have a fascination with the demonic or with spirits or contacting dead people, using Ouija boards. I, I think the first thing we could say is, out of love, to to stop doing that, but also to turn from it because God's got something much greater for us as well. And, and I, I would say for every single one of us, uh, a friend of ours that was uh, an exorcist uh, in the diocese, that uh, he used to say that. You know, the exorcism, there's a right, R-I-T-E, right of exorcism. But confession is m- much more powerful than an exorcism. To confess yeah. your sins and to receive the forgiveness of God. So I would say that's a great, great place to start. If you've participated yeah. in any of those things, is to go to confession, get yeah. rid of it, you know, tear it up, throw it out, burn it, whatever you need to do, but, but go confess it and allow, allow the Lord to do something new there.
2: Well, and that's even in terms of, like, teaching people, like, and also sharing, like, what confession actually is. Like, confession is the normal right of exorcism in the church. The way in which exorcism is practiced, it's the way in which people are freed from their compulsions and from their obsessions. It's a way in which God cuts the power that the enemy has over you. That's also why like, it starts off with a recognition, something's wrong, which we call contrition. Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah. Okay, Then two, you have to go and you have to name it. Mm-hmm. Like That's also the reason like, when, when you go to confession, you go to confession, you have to name your demons. You have to name the evils that you have done. And if you don't name them, they have power over you. If right. you name them, Christ then gives you power over them. Hmm. That's also why in confession, that's the reason why you have to name every single serious grave sin. And if you don't name all of your sins, like the confession is moot. As I mean, we know that as best confessors, but you have to name. But that's also like going back to the notion of Jesus naming the demons mm-hmm. and having, knowing their names, they tried to name him. Like all the, and that, especially yeah. in the Gospel of Mark, as the demons are coming out and trying to, oh, yeah. we know you, you're the son of God. And Jesus is like, shh, silence. Yeah, he's like, I know you. And then that later on, he tell, he makes Legion reveal its name. Right. But that's why, like, because until we can name the evils in our lives that we are are suffering from, and until we can name the things that we are that the enemy is trying to control us with, it will always have power over us. So, so then you have contrition, you have confession, where you name your demons, name the evils. And then the priest literally cuts it. Right. Cuts it with the absolution prayer where he absolves you from the sins, the power, it's not himself doing it, it's Christ working through the priest who is the exorcist, absolves the sins, cuts it, and then you have to replace, you have to replace your demons with something, you have to clean out your house. That's where Jesus says in the New Testament. He says, if you get rid of a demon and you don't replace it with something else, it's going to come back with six friends. Right. And then the status of the person is going to be worse before, which is what the penance is. Penance is not about... So much retribution paying back God. What right. the penance is is about a transformation, change of life, where you now take the your house, your your spirit, your body, your soul, and you fill it with God's grace. Right. So like so right. that whole the whole notion of even the structure of the sacrament of confession is an exorcism, which is why long before anyone gets an actual exorcism into the church, they first must go and get confession first. Right. Yeah. Right. You can't get it until and, and, then I,
1: and then I love the final part of confession, the act of contrition where you promise that you're going to try and avoid that sin from now on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's part of the cutting off. The cutting off isn't just to separate it where you got two timelines here. It's to cut it off where you don't have that anymore, and you move forward in, in beauty and in truth and peace.
0: Right. So we're seeking to avoid the, the extremes of it's all, you know, the devil's doing everything, and he's right. controlling me at all times, and I'm always afraid of him. Or that the devil doesn 't do anything it doesn 't matter what you do, whatever movies you watch or music you listen to, or places you go don't matter, recognizing that what we do with our minds and hearts and bodies and words does matter, yeah. and it does have power, and that I think is so just as it has power for evil, you know in, in participating in occult or superstitious practices. It has even more power in cooperation with grace for good and for freedom. That's the, the sacraments. I think are the greatest sign of that. Other things too, and, and feel free to add on to these. I'm just thinking of of sacramentals. You know that that we live in a world yeah. that's that's so often devoid of of signs of God, and so having a crucifix that's been blessed in your home. Um, when people go through exorcisms, the possessed person will react to blessed objects. Yeah. Whether they know they're blessed or not, you know that, and and I think that's whether we think this is important or not having a blessed item in our home, the demons know, right. you know, you know the, the, the demons know and they tremble as, as, as James yeah. says, you know, so, so having those blessed items in your home, I think, I think is an important, one of the important things that we can be
1: doing. I, mean, I think having blessed holy water is one of those sacramentals as well is a very important thing, not because it's magic, because you're pouring water around the place, but because it's blessed, it's set apart for a specific
2: purpose. Mm. Correct. I mean, all the sacramentals of the church are not meant to be amulets, Right, which is like the difference between the church's understanding of blessings versus the shamanistic or pagan understanding of like amulets, is that amulets its effect without first cause, and so that's actually the very definition of magic. Magic is just like is this there's there's effect without cause, and so it's irrational. It's just like have these magic things and they do things I don't understand how they do that, but they just it just works. And that's why like you go to that versus the blessing is something which is rooted in God's order. And so like God's order for creation is actually being restored. When I dedicate certain things to God, like all things, God created all things. Like I'm I'm putting back, I'm restoring their proper order. Hmm. Like the blessing of even animals, the blessing of our houses, the blessing of religious articles, it's actually reestablishing the right order between God and his creation. So there is an order to creation versus the disorder of magic, which is that there is no order in creation; everything is chaos. Which is actually behind almost all the pagan uh, myths, as well as even the Satanist stuff, is that chaos is either equal to goodness, to order, or chaos is more or is more powerful right. than it. Versus God, and our and the understanding of God's order is that goodness is far superior to order. And actually, by blessing things, you restore the proper order of creation. Is that God is in charge. And the rest of creation is meant to be in that proper order. And the blessing is indicative of that. That's why, in the Old Testament, Jacob blessed his sons. Right. Rabbis bless objects all the time.
0: I would say, I would say parents bless your children. That's something yep. that's yes. something you know to, to introduce that if you if if you dedicate move, them to move, God. Move, dedicate them to God every single night. My parents still do that every time I leave the house. Now if, when I'm when I'm home visiting, uh, give give me that blessing, and, I, and and I experience that. You know, and and. For us as priests, people come. They want they want blessings yep. for them or, or or for religious items. It's so a it's a beautiful action. Recognizing too that in a sense we're at war. It's it's a yeah. war where Jesus has already won, where He is victorious. Um, but but we have an enemy who's who's again doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, and's been doing this for a long time. Um, but even at, at you know Jesus, he, he's not equal to Jesus. They're not rivals here. No. He, Jesus is God, and, and no, Satan is really. a creature. And so the name of Jesus, everyone's knee, including Satan's hoof or whatever it is has to bend. And so I, th- I think maybe, yeah, uh, we, we could probably leave it at that. There's a lot more we yeah. could say. We might need to sure. jump into a whole show on exorcisms yeah. um, as well. But uh, hopefully for those um, that are watching today, thank you so much for tuning in as we're talking about uh, the spiritual warfare that we're in. It's talking about devils and, and demons and even aliens a little, a little bit as well. Um, but we're so grateful for you tuning in, for your support for us here at Catholic in America, and we'll see you next time.